welcome back to Bookish Blather, a regular podcast about books and reading with me, Nicola. And me, Holly. And this week we are going to dive into some of our favourite non-fiction reads and a few that are sitting on our TBR lists. But as always, we're going to start with what we've been reading. So what has been on your nightstand? Um, I've finished a couple of books actually since we last spoke, very short ones. <laughs> I feel like I'm either like reading for three hours at a time or not reading at all at the moment. Um, mm. So yesterday I finished Bluets by Maggie Nelson, um, which I feel like I'm saying wrong. She kept making references to pronouncing it wrong and I, had, I didn't actually check how you're supposed to say it. Um, but it's, How's it spelled? It's uh, just like B-L-U-E-T-S. I don't know. Um, but it's a very short book. It's only about 95 pages. Um Megan Nelson started as a poet, so it's not poetry, but it's it's kind of like an essay in short parts, and so each paragraph is numbered and kind of separate from everything else, and it's one of those things, like, I read it and I'm like, I don't know how this could possibly have come out any other way but fully formed, but obviously a lot of work must have gone into it to make sure that it, like, all kind of ran together well, um, and it's, it's basically about the colour blue and her obsession with the colour blue, um, uh, but she talks about... Um, different pieces of art and experiences in her life and people that she's known and like different associations with the colour blue so um, it's kind of a difficult one to describe but it's it was like engaging like I sat and read it all in one go and I put loads of tabs in it so I'm probably going to go back and just read through the whole thing again and see what I get out of it um, and see what I noted the first time around because I feel like it's just kind of gone woof over my head. Um, <laughs> But it was great. Um, I also read a novel called Good Morning Midnight by Jean Reese, which I'd ordered online, so I hadn't even talked about it yet on the podcast because um, it came in and I I just read it immediately. Um, I took this on my trip to Denver last week and read it on the plane. And it's essentially just about a woman who has had a bad experience um, and she's gone to Paris as, as an English woman. Um, it's set in the 1930s and she's kind of just like wandering around town and talking to gentlemen callers and um, we're not really sure what happened to her so it's, it kind of has three different timelines where um, or three sections where you get like what's happened in the aftermath and it takes a while to realise that something horrible has happened um, and then you get a wee bit of what happened at, at the time so you, you find out what was that happened to her and then mm. some more uh, then it goes back to where it started um, so I, I haven't really decided if I liked it or not. I'm not really sure. I think I need to read about it. I think I need to read some other people's opinions on it. I need to read about it because I haven't really fully formed an opinion on it yet. And again, I read it in kind of like two distinct settings. So I feel like I didn't really take it in super well. Um, and then in between, I've been reading Night Waking by Sarah Moss, which I got on my Kindle, um, which is a novel and it's about a woman. It's narrated by a woman who is an academic and she's studying... Um, Victorian ideals of childhood and also trying to wrangle her own two children one of whom is a toddler and the other is like seven um, and she's on the island of Colsey because her husband is looking into puffins he's doing research on puffin migration and so she's kind of, yeah <laughs> um, so she's kind of like on the Scottish island um going a bit stir crazy and trying to get mm. her work done while wrangling two children which isn't usually the kind of thing I would go for but I enjoyed her second book or her most recent novel The Tidal Zone a lot recently um, and I, I just downloaded the sample of this and I liked it enough to keep reading so still working oh. my way through that as well. That does sound good. Yeah. yeah I've heard a lot of people talking about the title zone but I haven't read it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah I think you'd like mm -hmm. it too. What have you been reading? Well I have kind of come out of my reading slump a little bit Yay. which is nice. 
Um, but not in a like, you know, back with a bang way, obviously. <laughs> but I have managed to finish Today Will Be Different by Maria Semple, which um, took me a lot longer than it should have. But I, again, like, I kind of read it in two big chunks. Um, half of it, it's like, it's quite a quick read. It's only about 260 pages. So I read half in the bath last Sunday and then half on the sofa today. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's very funny. It's like, if you're familiar with her books, it's very, um, you know, her writing style is very comical and very um, kind of, what I found really interesting about reading this one was I've forgotten how good she is at kind of like jumping around in the story in that sometimes you're kind of like, where am I or what's going on or who is this person actually with? But you kind of just have to trust in it because it does all come together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Bit of a bit of a funny ending I don't know if I maybe rushed the ending um but it felt kind of felt kind of not unsatisfactory but just over quite quickly um I probably need to sit with that one for a little bit longer and then because I finished that today I have also started a book called See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt which I've seen loads of people talking about on Twitter because it is out early next year and this is a book that I think, as far as I can tell, is a novelization of a true story, which is about a murder that happened in 1892. Um, but it's got this lovely little, um, not blur, but kind of description on the back, which says Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41, which I just loved. Mm-hmm. So um, the lovely team at Tinder Press sent me a copy of this. And I just read about five pages before we started to chat. So I'm looking forward to reading more, probably in the bath tonight. Nice. <laughs> yeah, typical Sunday. Yeah, sounds good. And have you been shopping? Yeah, when I was in um, Denver last week, I went for work. I was doing some training for my new job. And um, I went a wander around and I went to... Oh, I forget the name of the first bookshop, but I'll link it in the show notes. Um, it was quite small and like very curated, so it didn't like I would have on another day really enjoyed shopping there. I liked having a good look around, but I was kind of like I want stuff that's on my wish list and nothing else. Um, so I ended up at another bookshop that's called Tattered Cover Bookstore. Um, I'm not sure if this is a chain. There was one in the train station, and there was a bigger one around the corner from the train station. Um, and it kind of felt like it'd been around for a long time. Um, so I'll do some research into that and put a link in the show notes and see if it's like national or whatever. But I think it is just like a Denver or Colorado only bookshop. Um, but it was it was a cool space. Um, so the first one I picked up is The Givenness of Things, Essays by Marilyn Robinson. Um, she won the Pulitzer Prize for our novel called Gilead, which I read. I read the one that comes before Gilead, which is housekeeping, but that's all I've read of her work. Um, and in this collection, she talks about... Um, contemporary society, um, technology, materialism, um, and just like kind of what it is to be a person in a lot of ways, I think. Um, I read the first one and she was talking about, uh, the title is Humanism, and she was talking about kind of ideas of what makes us human and how science can't answer a lot of the questions, or at least doesn't give a satisfying answer to a lot of the questions that she has about what makes us human. Um, so that was quite interesting. I think it might be quite a heavy one. There's 17 essays in it, and then the edition I bought also has the interview that she did with Obama, mm. which um, kind of was interesting, one that people were passing around last year. Um, so interested to see what's in there. Um, I know that she is um, quite religious, so I think I wonder how that will like 
impact on her writing and, and whether that will make me completely disagree with her points. So we'll soon find out. Um, and then I also got essays of E.B. White because he's just like a classic essayist. Um, most people know him as the author of Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little. Um, but he was also known as, as a non-fiction writer. I think there's some letters in here as well as, as essays, either that or he's dated them. Um, and yeah, he also did, um, what's it called? The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. He's the white in Strunk and White. So um, yeah, he was very into getting things right. So I'm interested to see how that'll be. I know that you wrote about like farm life and things like that. Mm. Is, was he a farmer and that's where his inspiration for Charlotte's Web came from? Um, I'm not sure if he worked as a farmer, but he certainly lived like in... That community? Yeah, in like a, a, a rural community anyway. Okay, interesting. Um, and then I also got a copy of a book which I talked about in our episode about anticipated reads recently, so you, I don't want to go on about it, but it's called A Woman Looking at Men Looking at Women, Essays on Art, Sex and the Mind by Siri Hisfit. And this book is enormous. I requested it from the publisher, Simon Schuster, um, because I knew it was going to be by cardback, and it retails at $35. Um, so I think it is quite, I think it is semi-academic, um, because there are a lot of notes in the back. Um, she has a PhD and teaches psychology. So, um, yeah, it's really just about those three things. It's about psychology, art, and sex. So I'm interested to see how this one goes. I think the art stuff might be a little bit over my head, but we'll soon find out. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Have you been shopping? I had a little splurge this weekend. Um, <laughs> it's in your although... voice, it sounded like it wasn't that little. Well, it's little compared to some of my previous splurges. Um, but I just got I got around to ordering a couple of things I'd been meaning to for a while. So I have picked up the um, story of a new name, which is the second in the um, Neapolitan novel series by Elena Ferrante, which we've talked about quite a bit in previous episodes. Um, I meaning to get into that one for like all year. <laughs> well, I read the first one in uh, May when I was on holiday. And then I was itching to read the second one, and I just don't know why I've taken so long to get around to buying it. So mm -hmm. um, I bought that, and then, as I mentioned in the last episode, I was reading the spring anthology that was put together by Melissa Harrison, and I was thinking this was the stupid one to buy first because really I want to buy winter and read it in winter, so winter is on its way. And then on your recommendation from probably like over a year ago, I bought Notes from No Man's Land by Eula Biss, nice. which I can't remember anything about, but I know that you raved about it and it was on my wish list. So that went in the basket. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I bought a book called His Bloody Project, which is by an author called Graham McRae Burnett. And I've seen loads of people talking about this just like in the last week. You know how sometimes you've never heard of a book and suddenly everyone's banging on about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. It took it out last year, so... Yeah, it was published by a, a small Glasgow press called Saraband Books. Um, and I actually know the person who... Um, what's the word? She formatted the Kindle edition, so she was yelling about it when it got long listed to the Man Booker. Oh, right, okay. Oh, well, you're probably in a better person. Have you read it? <laughs> no, I haven't read it. Okay. So it's... Um, in, a, in a similar vein to the... Um, see what I have done that I've just started. This is a book set in 1869 and it's about a, um, a triple murder that happens in the Scottish Highlands and then kind of the aftermath of that crime. So um, I think that he had 
written, like the person who was accused had written a memoir and then it, that had to kind of be unpicked by sort of lawyers and psychiatrists across the country mm-hmm. um, to try and figure out what had happened. But it just sounds like a really good wintery read and it was only a few pounds on Amazon. So that went in my basket too. Nice. So yeah, a little splurge, a big yeah. splurge, a little splurge, I don't know, medium sized <laughs> splurge. <laughs> yeah, I told myself I would only spend thirty dollars the other day, and I've spent like thirty dollars and thirty cents or something. I was like, I'm glad the sales tax is lower here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I'm intrigued to read that, and I definitely think that um, all that you know, those two are quite similar. They'll probably be quite good companion reads, and on a kind of um, slightly non-fiction theme, I guess they're, they're talking about. Um, something true that happened but I'm interested to read kind of where it'd be interesting to read them and then find out afterwards where truth and fiction meets. I think the thing with his bloody bloody project is that it's all made up but he makes it sound like convincing as fact Oh right Oh I thought it was like a true story No I think it's presented as a true story but he made it all up which adds like another layer Oh Okay, yeah. I'm glad I know that. Otherwise, I'd be going around telling everybody you'll never believe what happened. <laughs> I'd be like, whenever we got obsessed with the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, definitely keen to find out where truth and fiction meets. Then. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds good. So, in terms of thinking about, um, I, so I really like this subject of, of nonfiction because I've I've got lots of it and I know we've kind of probably dumped bits of non-fiction love into various episodes that we've had mm-hmm. um when I mentioned it were there any kind of favorites that immediately sprung to mind for you um yeah I've I grabbed a wee pile of ones that I've read mostly in the past like couple of years um I'll start with a classic one which is Slouching Towards Bethlehem by Joan Didion um, this is kind of like one of these perennial essay collections that writers love, especially. She's very much a writer's writer. Um, and it was published like back in 1968, but I think her style still feels very contemporary because so many people have emulated it over the years. Um, so some of our topics in this, I honestly don't even remember. She wrote about films quite a lot because she and her husband were involved in the film industry. Um, I can't even find the list. This is interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a piece called Notes from a Native Daughter. Um, there's like essays from places that she's travelled to. And there's Goodbye to All That, which was her essay about leaving New York, which I saw people had done. Um, there was like a group had done like essays on leaving New York um as a book quite recently i think in the past couple of years so that's still kind of hanging around um she wrote about california quite a lot her family um was part of well actually her family coincided with the donner party at one point on their emigration west to california um but then oh, wow. departed in good time apparently and um, so yeah her family was like were like really early settlers in california from like um the midwest during like the dust bowl era um, there's also a piece called On Keeping a Notebook, which I think I mentioned before is one of my favourite essays. Um, and yes, she's just like a really interesting thinker. And I think that her stuff has held up really well over the years, um, in part because people have like kept an enthusiasm for it. Um, this is definitely a book that I would go back to and read again. And I think if anyone, anyone who's like an aspiring 
um, writer of essays or articles should definitely have this one in their bookshelf. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't read it, but I have read other stuff by her. Yeah, you probably read some of the, the essays in it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because sometimes you find that when you pick up an essay collection and then you're like, I'm sure I've read this before. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard to remember exactly um, where from. Hmm, cool. Um, well, I did the same. I got a little stack together. And um, the first one I want to mention is a book that I know we've both read, so I hope it wasn't on your list as well, um, which is Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematorium by Caitlin Doherty, which um, I think we both read last year. Was this on your list? Oh, no, it's not. I didn't no. think of it because I don't have a physical copy of it, but I did love it. Ah, uh, okay. So, um, yeah, Caitlin is a really interesting person in the kind of um, death writing world in that she... Um, she has a really amazing Twitter account that's called The Good Death and she um, has a YouTube channel where she talks about um, kind of, yeah, lessons from the more the crematory. What's her YouTube channel called? I know you'll remember. Um, I think it's the same name, The Order of the Good Death. Um, yeah, I think it is. We'll put a link in the show notes. But, um, yeah, it's just really fascinating in terms of she's a, she's a reasonably young person. She's kind of, I think she's like late 20s, early 30s, but she's really kind of challenging that industry and writes really frankly about, you know, what it's like to work in that industry and how the industry needs to change um, as we as we cope with a planet that has more and more people who are interested in having an open and frank dialogue about death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I really loved it. Regular listeners will know that books about death are in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one as well. She did a really good video recently about um, the election and how they tapped into our fears of death through like messaging during the election season, which was interesting. Mm. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Um, a good lead-in to my next one is it's called The Empathy Exams by Leslie Jameson. Um, and it's not really about death, but it is about pain and suffering and like odd types of pain and um it's kind of like it's a very personal examination and also quite general like the essays kind of run the gamut like there's one where she goes um i'm forgetting which one is i'm looking at the the list there's one where she goes to uh a race that her brother is running which like they run like through the wilderness um, and like how people come back and their feet are all soggy and the, their legs are totally hacked up by the brush and stuff like that um, and like Ooh. thinking about why why they put themselves through it um, there's a piece where she goes to a conference for people who have I forget the name of it but it's kind of like a, a disease that's not recognised by the legal, or not legal, the medical establishment, don't know what legal stuff has to do with it <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's kind of she's talking to them about their pain and um, the idea of them getting together to, to console with one another and whether their, their pain and their suffering is real or imagined. And she ties that in like with issues that she's had of her own as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I also think this would be a good companion read with a book that I read recently, which is called Tender Points by Amy Berkowitz, which um, was published by Emily Books. I read it on my Kindle a few weeks ago um, and it's about, pain and chronic pain um and then it kind of breaks into a conversation about um about 
basically like the general suffering of women of like issues that women have to deal with that men don't um, and I thought that that would have been a nice companion read with this one so if you've read either or or if you're interested in one then the other one might also interest you so I'll link to those in the show notes oh that does sound quite good the well the next book that I have is one that I picked up probably about five years ago maybe yeah, I think maybe around five years ago, in anticipation of a trip that I was taking. And it's called New York Diaries, and it's a collection of diaries. So it's separated out across a whole year. So it starts on January 1st, ends on December 31st. And it is edited by a woman named Teresa Carpenter. And it's different diary entries across every day from a number of different people so some are from the diaries of people that you would have heard of like Thomas Edison or Allen Ginsberg or E. Cummings but then there are also diary excerpts from people that you wouldn't have necessarily heard of um, and they're all taken from different points in time so it's really fascinating in terms of what's happened seasonally but also across completely different times sometimes you know hundreds of years so there might be a day say like February 8th where you've got a diary from 1776 and then another one from like 2004 Mm -hmm. so I I really really loved it I remember kind of racing through it in anticipation of going to visit not in a um looking for places to go way but just in a kind of getting a bit more of a sense of the history of the place um and it's a book that I've kind of dipped in and out of every now and then if I fancy just reading something that is Um, you know like I want to read 20 pages of something without getting stuck right into a novel then it's really really good book for that and I really recommend it for anybody that is interested in New York and New York history Mm. oh that sounds really cool like the concept yeah I kind of wish they did it for other cities maybe they did seems like a lot of work to get was it one for each day for 365 days multiple for each day some days had one some days had one but then obviously when it gets to kind of around the time of like september 11th there are days that have multiple Mm -hmm. yeah cool i'm curious for that one myself Mm, it's a good one yeah um i have a couple more do you have many more to go through i have a few more that i'm that i have and have not got around to reading yet okay cool um, well, I'll talk about two more that I have read, which I loved. Um, one of them I talked about this year quite a lot, so I won't go on about it, but it's Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. And um, like I just mentioned, I, I went back to her Bluets, um, and actually I have one on my TBR as well. Um, so it's kind of like about what it says about, but also not. Um, at the time she wrote it, she was pregnant and her partner was transitioning and so she talks about like fluidity of identity and like identity politics what all these things mean um she makes references to literature um kind of in an academic way and in a personal way and i just loved it like loads and i wish i still had my markings i'd I'd kind of it was one of those few books i'd actually written on um but it's one of the ones that got missing out of the box i shipped to the, the states so i did actually go and buy it again and i would definitely read it again um, especially because I've listened to a couple of interviews with her since then and the interviews are always like I read it several times and I got different things out of it each time so I'm <laughs> definitely curious to go back to that eventually um, and then the last one that I want to mention which I've really enjoyed I've also talked about on the podcast before but not for a while now um, which is Sidewalks by Valeria Luiselli. Um she's a Mexican author who lives in New York and a lot of her work is about 
like the city as as a place and and like the ways that we travel around the city like she's interested in walking and cycling um and like the relationship between like art that's on the walls whether that's like indoors or outdoors and a little bit about architecture as well um and then just the ideas of of place and like there's there was an essay in here that was about the word nostalgia and what it really means and she talked about like um soldiers being away during the war and like feelings of homelessness and things like that so I actually pro- should probably read that again now that I'm actually starting to feel a little bit homesick <laughs> um Aww. yeah but it was it was just like re- really different takes on those kinds of subjects than I'd ever read before so this is definitely one that I'll return to as well yeah that's I know you've really raved about that one and like it's like uh the essays from no man's land i just haven't got around to picking it up so yeah, i'm sure got, i will eventually i've got too many to recommend for people who <laughs> read essay collections that often <laughs> um well i've got a few sitting in front of me that i've had for ages and that i know i was really looking forward to reading and it's kind of embarrassing that i haven't got around to yet but such is life you buy books and then you buy more books and there's only so many hours in the day so the first is a book called Blood, Bones and Butter by Gabrielle Hamilton, who I believe is quite a well-known chef in the States, but I don't really think has the same impact here. Do you know who Gabrielle Hamilton is? No, I've never heard of her. Okay. Well, this book, the, the subtitle for this is The Inadvertent Education of a Reluctant Chef. And it's kind of about her relationship with food. And she grows up in kind of rural Pennsylvania, but then later moves to New York. And she has kind of held a lot of different jobs across the food industry and is also a really passionate writer and I think it's just kind of about reflecting on her memories of you know the things that made her the chef and writer that she is today um I can't remember who recommended it to me but I know they absolutely raved about it and I definitely bought it around a few years ago when I was really interested in reading a lot of food writing so I do want to kind of get to that one I'm hoping there's some kind of recipe inspiration in there as well which is always a bonus from a book and then another one that I have which I have started but I just haven't completely finished is um the collected stories from the moth podcast which do do you regularly listen to the moth I've listened to it a couple of times and I had the same book I bought it at the uh, Edinburgh book festival either last year or the year before but it's one of the ones I ended up giving away because I was like I don't think I'll get around to this Oh, okay. So I really like the podcast and I've been to some of the like live um like moth storytelling nights here in London. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't listen to I don't listen to every episode. I kinda go through phases of it. But essentially um the moth is a yeah, it's a storytelling podcast, but it's kind of real people. It's not, you know, a bunch of writers sharing their story. Anyone can um put their name in the hat to read at one of the live events. And then this is a collection of 50 of the most kind of well-received stories from the podcast. And there's a couple that I've read and listened to. And it's really nice sometimes to be able to read like the transcript of something that you've already heard. But I definitely want to kind of finish it. So I need to kind of I probably need to just pop it on my nightstand and dip in and out of it a little bit more often. Yeah, I have trouble with books like that. Like I always think that I'll dip in and out and then I don't really get around to it because it's kind of like... I don't know, often, like, I think those ones, they tend to be, like, five to ten pages, and you're like, cool, I could just pick that up any time, but then, 
Like, you need to be in a very specific mood to read for five or seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then also, I guess there's the thing that sometimes you then end up with that feeling of, oh, I've been reading this book for two years. You're <laughs> still not done. <laughs> and it's not really, and it's not really a reflection of the book. It's just on the the format, right? Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I have that I'm really looking forward to is totally weird. I can't remember who recommended it to me, but it's called Flotsometrics and the Floating World. And it's by these two scientists who um, basically have a like a worldwide network of what they call beachcombers. So they are people who um, kind of work with beaches and ocean currents to look at the stuff that comes out of the sea. Um, so I guess that's flotsam. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also look at kind of global currents. So, you know, um, if there's like, well, it's really funny because on the front cover, there's a little floating duck, um, like a little rubber duck that you'd have in the bath. And I guess that's about, do you know this story about how there was like a huge influx of them that just appeared on the shores of like, I think the East coast of the States, oh. but it turned out that, that it, that there'd been a shipping container that had, like fallen into the sea in China and then eventually all of these little rubber ducks made their way across the ocean and then turned up on somebody else's random beach and I remember thinking that was just an I probably read that story and then the book was linked to so um, I picked it up from there but it's got some really interesting chapter titles like uh, coffins castaways and cadavers and uh, the great conveyor and messages in bottles and stuff like that so I think it's just kind of like meant to be a really interesting look at yeah the ocean and you know the the impact that the material world has on it I guess Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I've been meaning to I've had that I know I've had that for a few years and been meaning to get around to it so this is probably a good episode to re-inspire a new little TBR yeah well I was just thinking as you were saying that like all the books all the non-fiction at least that I have I prefer to read nonfiction and paperback, and so I, th- I think over the past couple of years I've bought lots of nonfiction paperback and then like read more and more fiction on my Kindle, mm. um, and so I can kind of look at my shelf and go, okay, these are the ones I want to read, and they're all fairly recent because I also had to like ship them over here or I bought them since. Um, so I have a list of like twenty. I think I have like twenty nonfiction <laughs> books that I need to get around to, and I, like I feel like I could get to any of them at any moment. Um, but a couple that kind of jumped out at me when I looked at the shelf, one of them is, like I said, by Maggie Nelson. It's called The Red Parts, Autobiography of a Trial. Um, she had written, a, a, I think it was a poetry collection um, about her aunt who was murdered um, and how that is kind of, like, I don't think she'd lived to, I don't think she was alive early enough to know her aunt, but it was like one of these family stories that kind of like hung over everything. Um, and then when she was about to publish it, uh, the police came and said, oh, we think we found the guy, so, like, don't mention it. And it was just, like, a really odd situation. Um, so she wrote... Oh, so the, the case was reopened, and then she wrote this piece. Like, she basically covered the trial, like, almost as a, a journalist. Um, and then this book was the result. So since I've read um, Blitz in the past week, I think I might just, like, get through as much of her stuff as I can. Um, mm. And then another one is one that I only spoke about a few episodes ago, which is called How to Travel Without Seeing by Andres Newman. Um, and it's about travel. I think it will be similar to Valerie Luceli because he writes in very short bursts. Um, and I think the conceit of this is that rather than 
like taking notes on a trip and then going home and writing it all down is just it's literally like his notebook that you're reading um so there's like lots of fragments so i think that'll be an interesting one um and i have a massive list of other ones so i could i could put a link to my um to read shelf on goodreads because i think most of them are on there oh yeah that's a good idea yeah how come you're still be... not on Goodreads? I feel like this is a conversation that we haven't had for a while. <laughs> I know, I have it. I just don't use it. Oh, okay. Um, and, I, and I feel like it's just sort of like another thing to update. Yeah, that's true. Because you've already got yeah. your spreadsheet, haven't you? I do have a spreadsheet, although I think it's a little bit out of date. Um, I need to go back and have a look at it. But i that's probably because I haven't finished a book in what feels like months, but might just be a few weeks but yeah I haven't updated it in a while yeah. yeah it just it always felt like a kind of it just it's not the place I go to to like maintain a wish list or anything like that mm-hmm. um so no it's been a while yeah I feel like I would just forget what I'd read I think I like the visual aspect of Goodreads that this the cover is staring back at me <laughs> yeah that's very true because I don't I like I definitely don't have that in my spreadsheet mm-hmm. um I just have titles and authors and where I bought them from and how much I paid and what I've rated and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, plenty of other detail. True. Mm. Cool. So um, speaking of recording or reading, we will be doing a big um, best of the year episode, um, but we have one more to do in between that. So if you have any suggestions, this is your last chance to get them in to us uh, before the end of the year. As always, you can tweet us at Bookish Blether and we're also on Instagram with the same handle or you can email us bookishblether at gmail.com. Yep, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube at Robotnik and my website is robotnik.co and you can also find all the show notes to this episode bookishblather at tumblr.com mm-hmm. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more bookishblather 